Hey, good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. How many of you, I'm going to date myself, uh, how many remember the day when you had no caller ID, uh, you had no answering machines, and you had this one central phone in your house, and you remember the day that everybody loved to answer the phone? I mean, my sisters and I, we would literally fight. If the, if the phone rang, we would literally fight to run to the kitchen where our, our phone was, and you would grab it, and you'd... And, you know, and, and, and back in that day, you actually had phone etiquette where you'd pick up the phone and you'd say, hi, thank you for calling Juraces. May I ask who's calling? Isn't that nice? How many of you today were kind of missing phone etiquette? Give an example, all right? Talking to somebody, you're sharing your deepest emotions, you're feeling, you're crying, you're pouring your heart out, and then someone says, hold on, I'm getting a call. Okay, I've got to answer this, Okay. Or, 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 or they're talking and they're texting at the same time. So you're talking to them and they're like, you know, are you even listening to me? Do you even care what I'm talking? Does anybody feel that way? A little phone, we're missing a little phone, a little phone etiquette. Um, I, I, you know, I got thinking about this, how we've kind of uh, morphed in, into this new way of uh, communication. And um, now with our phones, you, you can have the, the, you know, the picture of the person pops up on your phone if you've got a smartphone. Um, you've got a special ring to knowing which person that is. Now we've got caller ID. Back in the day when you had just the answering machine, you could let the answering machine pick it up so you could screen the call. Um, that No more of that. I mean, you've got instant notification of who's calling you, when, special dial tones, people's pictures. Uh, let me give you, let me just give a quick survey here. How many of you like texting better than talking actually on the phone? Okay, three of you. Good. How many of you have no idea what texting is? And you still have the flip phone where you, that you flip open the phone, right? Uh, some of you uh, have that. Okay. Some of you don't even know what a smartphone is. Get a life. But anyways, we'll, we'll help you, uh, we'll help you uh, get there. I was thinking as I was thinking about this, this message, and we're, we're in the part of the story where, by the way, we're halfway through the whole story. Congratulations. I hope you're reading the book, the story, and that's what we're doing. We're chronologically going through the whole Bible and through the Old Testament. Right now, we're in the part of Israel's history where kings rule is Israel, and we're looking at the prophets of Israel. And I was thinking as I was writing this message, I was like, how do we know when God calls us? How do, how do we know when God's voice is speaking uh, to us? How do we know when God is calling us to do something? Wouldn't it be just great if God would just text us or Facebook us or just tell us what he wants? It, it seems like it's so hard to really understand. Is it me or is it really God? And, and sometimes I think we, we misunderstand God's calling or maybe God's speaking to us because we think that maybe God only calls us in the big things like a job change or should I move? Who should I marry? My career choice? Where should I go to school? But, but I really believe that, that we can miss the calling of God each and every day. I believe God does speak to us. And, and the question I, we need to kind of come to grips to is it is it really God's fault or is or is it the point that I'm just not maybe listening to the Lord? Have I positioned myself in the right place to really hear uh, the, God, uh, the the call of God? Because how many of you know that it's easy to get 
get distracted. And, and men are really notorious at this. Um, if it, We're not very good at multitasking. So if we're watching the game and, and our wives come in and ask us something and we're watching the game, how many of you guys have ever gotten this position where the wife just said, what did I just say? And you're like, say, well, you said something about, the, yeah, you said, right, you, yeah, that's what you said. You were talking about, you know, what you were talking about, right? The thing that you were just talking No, you have no idea what I was just talking about, right? And I think, I think sometimes we're like that. We are so distracted and we're not placing ourselves in the right position to really hear from the Lord. This is what I love about this story about Isaiah. Isaiah is this prophet that God raised up. But the thing that's very interesting about Isaiah is that, that Isaiah actually heard God speaking to him. But there was, there was something more about Isaiah. I think Isaiah placed himself in the right position to actually hear God speak to him. And I believe there's some great things that we can learn about this uh, prophet Isaiah. So let me give you a little time frame here. Uh, when kings ruled Israel, it was about between 1050 B.C. and 586 B.C. And even with the rebellion of, of God's people, as we've been studying the story, much of God's people rebelled against God. The kings rebelled against God. But even through all that, God didn't give up on Israel. What God would do is he would raise up these prophets to speak his word to his people to say, I'm not giving up on you. If you, if you turn your, if you, if you turn back to me, I will heal you. I will restore you. So God didn't give up on them, but he would, he would send these spokespeople, these, these prophets of God to speak God's heart. And what I love about the calling of Isaiah is that God specifically spoke to him, but, but, but God put something in Isaiah's heart to do something greater than himself. Now, I believe God can prompt us. He can speak to us through his word. He can speak to us through other people. Um, I, don't, I, I want to be sensitive to hearing uh, God's call. God's calling is always bigger than ourselves, and, and he wants to use us to work through his, his plan. And you might be sitting here and you say, Pastor, it's Christmas on Thursday. What does this have to do with Christmas? I'm going to tell you right now, it has everything to do with Christmas. And we're going to pull this whole story of Isaiah into the Christmas story. So here's Isaiah, interesting prophet. His ministry was around 740 BC. Isaiah would use, uh, would be used by God to speak correction to God's people uh, and also speak of God's divine purpose. He was a distinguished major prophet just because he wrote a lot. And we have a large book of his. And he spoke of this coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, some 700 years before Jesus walked on this earth. And what I want to do this morning is just basically unpack Isaiah's calling. And I believe his calling is, is important for us to understand. And there's an incredible thing here for us to understand how God calls us in our individual lives. So let's jump into this. I want to look at God calling Isaiah. It's in Isaiah chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there or look up at the screens. But let's look at, at this calling of Isaiah to speak to the people of Israel who were definitely not close to the Lord, who were far away from God. And let's see how he truly listened to the Lord. So start in, in, in verse 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8. It says, in the, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and he's speaking of what his experience was, seated upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings, 
With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips." And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand on a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then listen to what happens next in verse eight. He says, And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. I I believe these eight verses can impact our lives. I believe these eight verses can show us how we can hear the voice of God. I think many of us here today say, you know, I just don't feel like I hear God. I feel like, you know, my prayers are, are, you know, hitting a brass ceiling and they're bouncing back to me. How can I really know if God is speaking to me, that God actually cares about my life? He, he, is God, does God really have a, a calling on my life? Is the calling of God just for some select few people who go off onto the mission field or, or who go to full-time ministry? The answer is a resounding no. God wants to place a calling on each and every one of our lives to show us that he has a purpose and a plan for our lives to be used for his purposes and his glory. And I believe what happened here to Isaiah can happen to every single one of us in this room. Can I get an amen? Okay, so let, let's look at what happened here. Let's, how did Isaiah come to hear the voice of the Lord? There, there are some things that precede What happened with Isaiah's calling that are so vital for us to understand? I want you to understand first that Isaiah first was in the right place. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is not just simply Isaiah, the physical place that he was in, but Isaiah saw God for who he truly was. Isaiah was in the right place because his heart was worshiping the Lord. Now, so many times we think, well, if I, if I just go to church, maybe I'll hear, hear God's voice. Well, that's true. But it's more than just coming to a physical building. When we come to church, we're actually doing what? We're coming to worship God, right? God likes that. God likes when we come to worship him. Now we're putting ourselves in the right position to hear from the Lord because our hearts are there to worship him, something that's beyond ourselves. And so what happens here is Isaiah responded to God in the right way. He wasn't coming to God for something that he could get out of God. Rather, he saw God for who he truly was, holy, which caused him to look at his own sin. And so that is what worship, that's what worship will cause us to do. It's not going to cause us to look at ourselves or what I need or to benefit myself. It causes us to look at the character of God, not necessarily my own need. I love what Pastor John Piper says about this. He says, we belittle God when we go through the outward motions of worship and take no pleasure 
in his person. What Isaiah was doing here, he was taking pleasure in the person of God. He saw God for who he truly was, holy and lifted up. And it can happen to any of us. We can come to church, which is the right place to be. We can easily get distracted by all the issues of life. We can say, you know, you know, it's too cold in the sanctuary. It's too hot in the sanctuary. I don't like that particular worship song. I don't like the color of Pastor Barden's sweater. Why does he wear green? Is he crazy? You know, can his wife pick out his clothes for him or something? I mean, we can get, how many know we can get so distracted by so many things all the while we miss the voice of God actually speaking to our hearts. And so do we worship God because he's God or do we worship God for what he can do for us? I love what A.W. Tozier says here. He says, sometimes I go to God and I say, God, if thou does never answer another prayer while I live on this earth, I will still worship thee as long as I live in the ages to come for what thou has done already. God already put so put me so far in debt that if I were to live one million millenniums, I couldn't pay him for what he's done for me. We have so much to worship God for. And so for us, in order to hear God's calling, we have to be in the right place. And the place that God desires us to be is in that place of worship. God, I worship you because you are high and lifted up. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who the earth is filled with his glory. Isaiah came worshiping, and God blessed that because his heart was correct. His heart was in the right place. And so here's the second thing I want you to see. In order for us to hear God's voice, it, it, we have to understand that God has to be over us. God showed Isaiah that he was the one who was high and lifted up. And what, what Isaiah saw of the Lord is he was the one that was over him. He was the one that was over all his issues. He was the one that was over all his problems. And what, what, what Isaiah heard was he heard the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. Saying it three times is magnifying its meaning. It's like a crescendo where it's like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when we say that God is holy, what we are saying about God is that he is absolute. He is perfect in moral purity. He is separate above all his creation. We are putting God in the right position over our lives. We are recognizing that God, you are different from me. You are separate from me. You are above. You are sovereign. You are over all my problems. I'm not trying to make you equal with me. I'm noticing that you are above me, that you are separate from all your creation. We are recognizing that he is different from us. We honor and adore him. He's not my buddy. He's not my homeboy. He's my Lord. And he's my Savior. And he's the one who does everything for me. He is sovereign. I think we can make a mistake where we, we, we de-emphasize the holiness of God to make him, just bring him down almost to our level where, where we don't recognize or we don't honor that or we don't respect the holiness of God. And that can block us from hearing him. Yes, God is our friend. Yes, Jesus came and lived among us and took on the form of, of, of a human, but he was fully God and fully human at the same time. But Isaiah recognized something about the Lord, that he was above him, that he was greater than him, that he was holy. And, and Andrew Murray says this so well. He says, the root of all virtue and grace, of all faith that's acceptable worship, 
is that we know that we have nothing but what we receive and bow in deepest humility to wait upon God for it. Unless we have this view of worship, we will make God out to be something that he isn't. If he exists for my bidding, we don't see God for who he truly is. And that's a holy God. And if we don't see God as a holy God, we will never see that we are debtors, that we are sinners in need of a savior. And we will make God out to what we want him to be, not who he truly is. And what Isaiah saw was, is a God who he truly was. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And here's what happened to Isaiah. When Isaiah saw God for who he truly was, this is how Isaiah responded to the presence of God. He didn't say, lucky me, I am so different from everybody else. Look how special I am because I heard God's voice. Look how unique I am. I'm going to go write a book now and talk about how I saw the Lord and how special I am. So give money to my ministry, right? He didn't do that. What did, what did Isaiah do? Isaiah's first response to seeing the presence of the Lord, to seeing the angels cry out to his holiness. He says, woe is me, for I am a lost man, a man of unclean lips. And he felt unworthy to be in his presence. And that's exactly the way Isaiah should have felt. Because when you truly get a glimpse of God's holiness and who he truly, truly is, it, 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 it comes upon us as saying, I'm not that. I've fallen short of that. And until I see that I've fallen short of God's perfection, I will never see my need for him. See, if we're, if we're in the middle of winter, and your heat goes out, right? And the electricity goes out. How many know that uh, you recognize you need heat, right? How, how, all of a sudden your electric, go, how many just, you're so used to your electric being on and your lights being on, especially in the winter when we don't have that much sunlight. And, we're, and all of a sudden the electric goes out. And you're like, oh, the electric went out. There's no heat. What are we going to do? And all of a sudden now you're, now you're scrambling because you need heat in your house because you're going to freeze in your house. See, here's the thing. Until we recognize how holy God is, we will, we will never recognize how far we've fallen short of his perfection. And so Isaiah was in the right place, even though he may not have felt it. Isaiah knew that he had fallen short, that he needed cleansing, that he was a man of unclean lips, that he didn't deserve to be in that presence of the Lord. But this is what I love about God. This is what I love about the character of God. God didn't sit there and say, Isaiah, ha, now you know how it feels and just step on Isaiah and make him even feel worse and throw more condemnation on him. What does God do for Isaiah? What God does for Isaiah is what Isaiah could not do for himself. There is no way that Isaiah could stand in God's presence without dying. There is no way that Isaiah could, could ever uh, last a moment in God's holiness, in his awesomeness, in his presence. But God does something for Isaiah in his grace and his love. What does he do? Well, the angel of the Lord goes and with tongs from the altar cleanses his lips and atones 
for his sin so that he could be in the presence of the Lord. This is where I, this is what I love about God because this is where God comes to him and shows him his grace. God could have shown him uh, no mercy and more guilt, but God comes and shows him his grace. This is what I love about God. He doesn't leave Isaiah there. He doesn't leave him in his sin and his guilt. He does for Isaiah what Isaiah could not do for himself. And he cleanses Isaiah and his sin, the Bible says, was atoned for. At this moment, Isaiah hears God's voice. That's where he hears. All of a sudden, now God speaks to him. Now he's in the right position to hear God's voice because he humbled himself before the Lord. Now God speaks to him. Okay, now we're thinking, how does this fit in to Christmas? I want you to hear this. Just please listen to me for the last 10 minutes. Just, just, just with all your might, just lock in, okay? Lock in with me because this is so important because we will miss this if, if we're not careful. God uses Isaiah to show us that eventually a Messiah would come to do the very same thing, to atone for our sin. What the angel of the Lord did for Isaiah was a precursor for what Jesus Christ would ultimately do for us for, for all eternity, to cleanse our sins that we could now stand before a holy God and hear his voice. Here's what Isaiah says. Isaiah 9, 6 says this. Here's Isaiah speaking just a couple chapters later. He says, for us to us, a child is born. For us, a son is given, who is Jesus. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And guess what they're going to call him? They're going to call him a wonderful counselor. They're going to call him a mighty God. They're going to call him the everlasting father, and they're going to call him the Prince of Peace. And later, Isaiah would give us some of the most incredible, incredible prophecy about the suffering servant, Jesus Christ, and what he would do to suffer for us. It's some of the most, it's, it's some of the most perfect prophecy that's in all the Old Testament that shows us exactly what Jesus Christ would do for us. Written some 700 years before Jesus ever came on the earth. And listen to what Isaiah says about Jesus and what he does for you and I, that he doesn't leave us in our sin. He doesn't, he doesn't leave us in our guilt, but Jesus does something for you and I to atone for our sins so that we can come before the presence of God. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 53, verses three through six. Isaiah speaking says about Jesus, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and equated with grief, and as one from whom men hid their face, he was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But yet he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, for our sins. Upon him was the chastisement that, that brought us peace and with his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord, and the Lord, and the Lord 
has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I don't know how, how much more specific you could get on what Jesus Christ actually came to do some 700 years later. See, if, if we're going to hear the call of God in our life and if God's going to speak to us, we've got to be in that right position before the Lord. There has to be that humility that comes before the Lord. And, and what I love about God is that he doesn't reject us. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve because he's already done that upon his own son 2,000 years ago. God poured his wrath out upon his son. Jesus died our death. Jesus bore our sins. He took on all the, the shortcomings, all the sins in our life. He took that upon himself. See, the whole reason for this Christmas season is not to look at a little baby in a manger and sing Silent Night, how wonderful that is. The whole reason for the Christmas season is this, is that the cross is empty, that that little baby grew up to die for our sins. And the problem is you're going to miss the calling of God if you stay at the manger. You've got to go beyond the manger because the cross is hidden in the manger story. And unless that cross comes out of that manger story, you will never hear God's calling for your life. I was reading in my devotions the other day and there was something I read here and um, let me quote it to you from a man named Halford Luckock. And he, he talked about how we can easily miss the Christmas story. And I just thought this was so profound that I just want to read it for you today. He said, we can become so charmed with the story of a baby that we can grow sentimental about it. It does not ask us to do anything about it. It does not demand any vital change in our way of thinking and living. The great question for us is this. Is our Christmas still only a story about a baby? Or is it about a person and to whom the baby grew? Who can, rede who can redeem the world from its sins and who calls us into partnership with his great and mighty purposes. See, we need to see Jesus like Isaiah saw God. Holy, holy, holy. And the only one who can forgive us of our sin. And I think the problem in our lives is not, is God speaking to me or I can't hear God speaking to me? The problem is, are we putting ourselves in the right place so that we can listen to God speak to us? And the reason why Isaiah could hear the voice of the Lord speaking to him is because he saw God for who he truly was. And I'll tell you what, when you come to the Lord in a heart of humility, he's not going to turn you away. He's not going to turn you away. Yesterday, as we were 
delivering our gifts. This one woman comes down from her apartment. Her name was Teresa, and she's just, I said, you know, she was in her bathrobe, and, and um, I said, Teresa, what, what, you know, you know what, can, what can we do for you? How can we pray for you? What, you know, what, what are you going through? Is there any, any needs that you have? And she just said, she says, thank you so much for, for bringing these gifts for, for, for my babies. She just said, um, she was, I, I don't have a job. My finances are real, real tight. I just, I just, I, I just, I just need a job. And I, I need the Lord just to, to answer that, that prayer f- for me. She just came, you could just see her heart. Her heart was so humbled and just in such need. And, and we, my family, we gathered around her and we just laid hands on her and just prayed that God would meet that need. And I, she was standing next to me and you could just hear her cry. the Lord for him to meet that need. And we're all in. She's like, yes, Lord, just bring me a job, Lord. Bring me a job. God hears those prayers. He hears it. And until I get to the place where I just say, God, you are so awesome. You are so perfect. I, Barn Drace, am a man of unclean lips. Cleanse me anew and afresh today. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. And may you cleanse me so that I can hear your voice, so that you can speak to my heart, no matter what it is. And let me just give you just what we pray. And my Christmas gift to you this year is that I ended early. So let me just give you, um, let me just, give you just one thing before you just close in, in song today, because I love the song we're closing today. Let me, let, me just, let me just throw this out to you. I don't care what you're going through today what relationship issues you might have. Here's, here's, my, here's, my, here's my suggestion to you today. That whatever your hurt and your pain is, whatever your struggle is, whatever your frustration is, do this first before you do anything. Take it to the Lord in prayer. I, I don't care how wronged you were. I, I don't care what, what was done to you no matter how justified you feel in your actions, take it to the Lord in prayer so you can hear his voice. It's amazing to me when we humble ourselves before the Lord and we say, God, okay, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, this person did this to me or this or this employer did this to me and I'm frustrated, I'm angry. And then you just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I want to hear your voice. So I'm going to humble myself before you because I know that I am not perfect. Lord, I know that I get frustrated at people. Lord, I know that I'm not the greatest driver out there, except for Pastor Barden, okay? Right? So what it does is it puts you in a position because it humbles you so you can receive God's grace and you can hear his voice. And I guarantee when you come out of that time of prayer and worship with the Lord, he will change your heart. Not only will he change your heart, but you will hear his voice, right? Isn't that what we want? We want to hear his voice. God, I want to know you. I want to know you in this situation. I don't want to miss you here. How many of us miss God and we look back and we're like, man, I blew it. I just blew it, right? And then God takes us right back, right? It's amazing. But I don't want to miss it. And so that's my prayer for you is that you would take it to prayer and let God 
speak to your heart, to change you first so that you're in the right position, that you might hear his voice. And God will never contradict his word. Thank God for God's word. So if your action is not in line with God's word, guess what? You didn't hear his voice. And it will line you up with what God desires for you. So Lord, we bow our hearts before you today. And Lord, I just pray today that, Lord, we would position ourselves to be in that right place like Isaiah was, to hear your voice. To know, God, that we come with so much baggage, so much flaws, so much sin, so much rebellion, that, Lord, we lay that at your feet. Lord, I pray that you would humble our hearts to realize that you do want to speak to our hearts. But it's not your fault, Lord. We're the ones that are blocking hearing your voice because we refuse to receive from you what you desire to give to us. And that's your grace. And so, Lord, in order to do that, we have to humble ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray that we would do that. So whatever the situation might be, whatever is stopping us from knowing you, God, I pray that we would come to you. And, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, Whoever comes to you, you no wise will cast out. That whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, Jesus, you will save and you will redeem. And so, Lord, I pray that for every heart here today, as we come before you, that you would redeem us, that you would reclaim us, that you would cleanse us anew and afresh. And so we just come and we adore Jesus, for he's the one that has done all this for us so that we can even approach God's throne. And it's only through Christ that we can do these things. So I pray for every heart here in this place, Lord, that you would do that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus.